You are listening to Church at the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchattheoaks.com. Because we just, we're trying to build a church, and so anybody that showed any interest in being a part of this thing, I was like, listen, I, I, I would love to sit down with you and just get to hear about what your deal is, and get to, I can tell you what my deal is, and then we can talk about if this is something that you might want to be a part of. And that was, that was one of my favorite things. I mean, I get, getting to just sit down with every single person almost that, that walked in through it. That didn't last very long. Um, and, then, and, and now I, 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 um, I still get the privilege to probably spend 10-plus hours a week. Uh, now, is somebody gotten a chance to meet you? Driving y'all crazy. Cool. Stick my that one's got echo and mess on it. Music. All right, we're using his. We're going to turn the echo off on it. All right, everybody, uh, everybody make some noise for tech. this thing so much. I hate holding a stick mic. I feel like I'm a stand-up comedian or something now, and I'm not that. Anyway, um, we, uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is get to sit down and just get to have coffee with somebody and, and, um, and <laughs> just get to hear their story. And so if you've sat down with me, and we've done that for the first time, if you remember, probably the first thing that I asked you was, um, uh, what's your deal? Like that's, that's, my, that's my favorite opening line. I've tried to break myself of saying it because no one knows what I'm talking about. Like, hey, so tell me your story. Walk me through your life. I just I accidentally, a lot of times, I just come out with, what's your deal? Um, and what, that, what I'm trying to get at is uh, you just spend a little bit of time telling me about who you are. And so, but what happens when I'm sitting there in Monarch and I ask you what your deal is, the problem is that I get this uh, deer in headlights look from you where you stare at me because you have no idea how to answer that. Like if it's just me and you are sitting there right now and I just like, hey, so tell me, like, wh- what's your deal? Like, wh- who, who are you? Like, what's, tell me your story. It's a difficult thing to try to encapsulate, right? If you have, okay, I'm on the spot, I'm sitting there with Britain, and now I've got to, like, figure out how to explain who I am, right? That's, that's a challenging thing to do. So some people, you know, they try to start out with, you know, well, my, my grandparents, like, way back, you know, like, how, the, how, like, you know, time began in their family and stuff. Other people just go straight to college and start talking about what I'm doing right now. Other people tell me that, well, I got married, I got three kids, and go the professional route, you know, and... But it's a, it's a difficult thing to try to figure out how to encapsulate your whole story in, in just a, a matter of moments. I don't know how to do it either. Because usually, usually you turn around on me and like, well, tell me, tell me what your deal is. And I'm like, I don't know either. You know, we're just, it's a difficult thing to encapsulate a life in a few moments. And so after, after we get a chance to do that, you know, we, we share those pleasantries about where you're from, where you, you know, how you grew up, why you, where you went to college, how many kids you got, when you got married. You share those high points. Really, we don't know each other. We just know, like, your bio, you know? There's a lot of people who you know their bio. You don't know them. The problem is that I think for a lot of us, when it comes to the Lord, um, we know his bio. We may not know him. 
I think for all of us, like there's something in us, like whether you're a Christian in the room or you're somebody here that's not a Christian yet and you're trying to figure it out, I think a lot of us, like there's all of us, I think there's something in us that really wants to know him, whether, whether he can be trusted, whether he's actually there, how he can move, what he can do in our lives, what he's about, what he's driving towards, how we can be a part of that with him. We want to know him. The problem is, a lot of us, we, we know some highlights. We know some pieces of some stories. We don't really know the, the whole story. And so as we're stepping into a new series this morning, that's what we're going to be working on. We're going to be looking at, for the next <laughs> 10 months, the whole story. So we're going to begin next week walking through the, the book of Genesis, and we're going to walk ourselves all the way through the whole story of the Bible, Ending in Revelation, uh, the last Sunday of June of next year. It's going to be crazy, all right? So we're going to cover the Bible end to end in the next 10 months together. And here's why. Because when I was, uh, when I was growing up, when I was in high school, when I was in college, really until I was probably halfway through seminary, I knew a lot of stories from the Bible. I knew about Noah. I knew about uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. I knew about Samson, like, killing lions and stuff, because that's awesome, you know? Then I heard about, you know, I knew like Paul did some missionary journeys. It was all sort of mixed in there together. I knew a lot of disconnected stories. Had no idea how they fit together. The problem with that is that a lot of times when I heard those stories taught, I was, they, were, they were taught like, like kids' moral story. They were like little, these moralisms where there'd be a little Bible story and there'd be this little thought about how I need to behave better because of actually each and every one of these stories. The moral always seemed to be better. That's what those stories are about. This book, this book is one story. There is a ribbon walking all the way through this account that helps us know who God is, what he is doing, and how that impacts you. There's, there's multiple ways that you can look at this. There's multiple ways you can look uh, at the Bible and start taking this thing apart. And so it's one singular story, but there's different ways to look at it. I just give you a little heads up. We're trying to set some foundations so we can figure out how to walk through the next 10 months together. First, you can look at the whole story of the Bible. You can look at it through four movements, like four plot movements, okay? You can also tell it through five covenants. So a, a plot movement, right? There's four of those. The four plot movements, if you're taking some notes this morning, one is creation. It's a story of how all these things began. So it's creation. It's followed by the fall when everything broke. Then the, the story of the fall continues, and we see the ramifications of that until we get to the story of redemption. Once you hit this point of redemption, you finally meet the person of Jesus Christ. You get to see redemption happening. You get to see the plan that God put in place coming to fruition. It takes a long time to get there. And ultimately, that fourth movement is a new creation. It's eternal hope of glory that we have. So it's these four movements. It's creation, fall, redemption, and followed by new creation. You can also tell it through five covenants, all right? And so the five covenants, um, a covenant, if you don't know familiar with that word, because it's kind of a different word for us, a covenant is um, a unbreakable promise between God and his people. And people can enter into covenants with each other, but like there's, but these covenants I'm talking about are between God and his people. These are covenants that, that God made with his people, and you can see the way these progress and see the way these things build towards something incredible. The first covenant was with, with Adam, second was with Abraham, the third was Moses, the fourth was David, and a long period of time passed. 
before the fifth, the new covenant in the person of Jesus Christ. As we go through these 10 months together, we're going to look at those four movements. We're going to look at those five covenants. You're going to be able to see how these pieces fit together, how this is all a part of one singular story. I want you to know his whole story, not some pieces of it. Finally, as you go through the Bible, if you've got those frameworks in your mind, then you can, see, you can begin to see ways that every single piece, every single account, every single story contributes to the whole. It's a story that changes everything. So, that's what we're going to be doing. I'm really excited to go through this with us. I hope that this is a, a time and a series that over the next 10 months that, that um, makes Scripture come alive in a way that it never has for you before. If you're new to church, like if you're new to the Bible, like if you have never spent any time around any of this, you've come in at a really, really opportune moment. To, to, to skip a lot of the confusion that the Christians around you have been walking through for years and years and the thing to make some sense. If you've been a believer for a long time and you've just heard like random passages and random stories and it never, never really seemed how to make sense, I know what that feels like. That's frustrating. And once I began to read the word on my own, once I began to dig into it like this, there's things that have come out of that that have challenged me and encouraged me and given me hope that I'd never have with a bunch of independent little Bible stories. So before we jump into the, the time of the word this morning, I just want to pray for us as a church. I just want to pray for us as a church as we walk into this series. I just want to pray for God to move over the next 10 months for him to open the word to us in new and powerful ways. All right. And so I want you to pray as well, along with yourself, your friends around you, the people that are going to be in your tribes and your huddles. I want you to pray for us as a church, uh, for God to use these, uh, these next 10 months to open the word to us in a new way, okay? I'm going to pray over you, but I want you praying in your own heart, all right? Let's pray together. Father, we want to know you. We don't want to know little pieces. We want to know you deeply and intimately. And God, the, uh, putting the whole story together is, is a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that, I, yeah, that I've got trepidation about. So God, I pray that as we open the word together over these next 10 months, um, God, that you would give us just, just clarity from your spirit. As we study the word and look at the ways that you've told your story through the Bible, that, that we would, uh, that by your spirit, that you would just help us to have this understanding, understanding of the word, but also just understanding of you. God, we need you in this. This is not something that we can handle on our own, so as we step into this time, God, we invite you to move. Expand our heart, expand our mind, expand our understanding of you, so we can know and follow you well. Senior your sons and your prayer. Amen. All right. So, if you were going to start a series 10 months long trying to walk through the whole Bible, how would you start it? You would kind of think, right? But I think you need a little bit more context than that. You'd think it'd be Genesis. You'd think you'd just start at the very beginning. Some of you, like, hey, you were new to Christianity. Somebody mentioned Jesus to you. Like, I'm going to start reading the Bible. And you started in Genesis, and you made it to, like, halfway through Exodus, and things got weird. And you stopped, okay? Um, we're going to help you with that. But I think you need a little bit more framework than that from just starting clean at the beginning. I want you to see a little bit of an overview before we start jumping into the specifics, all right? So we're going to hit Genesis next week, all right? Um, and then we're going to start walking from there. But this week, I want, us to look at, I want us to look at the way Jesus told the story. 
Because he probably told it better than me, right? And so the way Jesus tells the story is probably the way that you and I need to think about the story and start trying to address the story. And so this is going to be a passage that we actually looked at five, six months ago as a church on Easter. We're going to look at it in a different way, all right? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. We're back in Luke, baby. Back in Luke. If you're a part of Oaks, you understand. If, if you're new to Oaks, we just spent a year and a half in the book of Luke, all right? Uh, so all of us are good friends with our boy Luke. We like to hang out. Luke chapter 24. This is right after Jesus has been crucified. It's right after he's been buried. It's right after he's been raised from the dead. All right? But not everybody knows that yet. It's the same day. It's just a little bit longer. There's two disciples who were, they were leaving town. They were heading to a, a nearby town called Emmaus. So they're, they're on a wall. There's two, two of them. They're walking down toward Emmaus. We said this passage in Easter, but I want you to see something right in the middle of it that we did not cover at Easter. I just skimmed right past it. And that's going to that's going to be the main thing we focus on. What is going on? It's microphones today, man. All right. Here we go. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. It says this. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. All right, so Jesus kind of slides in next to him along the way, and he's like, hey, what you talking about? Anybody, he's like supernatural, like obscuring who he is. They don't recognize him. This is the risen Savior. This is Jesus post-resurrection walking along a dirt road with two disciples who have no idea they're walking with. All right? All they know is that Jesus was killed. All they know that Jesus was buried. They have no idea what happened after that. They don't know who's walking next to them. Jesus is probably having a hard time not laughing about it. All right, that's just one of those type moments. It goes on, verse 17. So Jesus saddles up next to him, and he says, uh, what you talking about? He, says, he said to them, what's this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stopped. They stopped walking. They looked, at, looked sad, and they looked at him. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him and said, man, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these last couple of days? Jesus joins him on the way. He's like, wow, what, what's What's happening? What are you talking about? Verse 19 says to them, what things? He knows what things. And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and our rulers, they delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. It said, we had hoped. It's past tense. Past it. We had hoped. They were like the hope had died, like the hope had gone out of them. They had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, but now it seems as though there is no hope. We had hoped. Tell the stranger a little more of the story. Verse 22, it says, Moreover, some women from our company, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they didn't find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So some of those who were with us, they went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't, they didn't see him. So they've kind of finished out. They've told him the rest of what they know. Some of those, some women came, they told us the like, they didn't know where he was, and our, some of our guys went and checked it out. They couldn't find him either. So we don't know what's going on now, but it's a mess. Jesus has been listening. And in verse 25, he, he stops him. 
They still don't know it's him. They have no idea who they're walking along with. Just a complete stranger, right? Verse 25, he says to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And it says this. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Listen, see what he says? He says, that slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These, these guys that, that are walking along with him, they've heard the stuff. They've heard the prophets. They've heard Moses. They've heard all the prophecy. They're well familiar with all. They've memorized a lot of it. They didn't get it. They'd heard the stories, they'd heard the pieces, they knew all this stuff, but it hadn't clicked how this was supposed to transpire, what was supposed to happen, who the person of Jesus was going to be. Jesus says he starts with Moses and continues through all the prophets and all the scriptures. That means he's covering everything from creation, Genesis. So Moses is like generally considered the one who have written the first five books of the Bible almost in completion. So when it says Moses, that's the first five books of your Bible. Continuing through all the prophets and talking about all the scriptures. That's like minor prophets, major prophets. That's, that's Genesis through Malachi. Jesus covers this, like, like traverses the whole story. And it says he's showing them on all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They'd heard it. It hadn't clicked. It hadn't put the pieces together yet. That was me for me forever. I got I knew all these disconnected stories. I knew I had no sense of how it all fit together. Like there was no thrust of it. The Old Testament just seemed like a bunch of random stories put in sequence. And I'm like, well, that's great. I don't know what that has to do with me. And so when I spent time with my Bible, I spent a whole lot more time with what Jesus had said and what the epistles said. And I had no context for why that mattered in the scope of history. I had a bunch of sweet stories with a good moral. If that's what you've been taking away from the Bible. You're missing the fullness of the story. It is not a bunch of sweet stories with a good moral all pretty much telling you to be good. That's, that's not what these stories are about. This story is this grand story of God <laughs> in his great love and mercy working to redeem what was shattered in the beginning, what was taken away from you, what was taken away from him to restore a people to himself. And the ridiculous, insane amount of love and sacrifice that he poured out to make that possible. Not just for this life, but for eternity. From beginning to end, it's that story. Jesus walks along the road to Emmaus, explaining the whole story. From Genesis to Malachi, the entire Old Testament, showing himself all the way through it. Can you remember your last light bulb moment? Light bulb moments for you, like for me, like if, if, when it's happening to you, it's, it's honestly a little bit embarrassing because normally like the person that you're with gets it and you don't. Uh, some of you have that experience a lot and we love you for it um, because when you get to have those light bulb moments and we get to watch you, you get that goon face, which is hilarious. Uh, and, you just, and some of you have those friends who they're light bulbing all the time. You know, they're just, everything's a new discovery. And we take care of them, and that's fun and sweet, right? But like all of us, we have those light bulb, light bulb moments where something dawns on us in this way that, oh, and you get that stupid look on your face, right? 
I imagine Jesus having the best time just light bulbing these two fools all the way to Ephesus, you know? They're, they walk seven miles with Jesus, just strolling, you know? I think Joe, Jesus can blow your mind quite a few times in seven miles on a stroll, you know? They got the goon face, they got the light bulb moment, and they're like, they're just, they're loving it, right? Jesus explaining all of himself. He's describing himself, like how the, how the Messiah was going to be the snake crusher from Genesis 2. He's describing how the Messiah, like, like the, the, the one who was to come, was going to be the, the permanent sacrifice for Isaac instead of that ram. He's describing how he's going to be the, like the, he's going to be the actual like, eternal Passover lamb, the one who lays his life down. Like Every one of these stories, so foundational, these people's culture, their heritage, everything that they know, the way they orient their life, and he's showing them the way that the Messiah was going to be the fulfillment of every single one of them. Shock had to show up on their face when he talked about how the Messiah shows up in the stories of Joseph and David and Rahab and Ruth. Over and over again, walking them through, saying, like, this is what this story is about. That one was going to come and die so that all might live. Talks to them all the way to Emmaus, the rest of seven miles. In Luke 24, 28, it says this. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, he's just having a great time. He acted as if he was going to go further, so they urged him strongly, saying, no, no, stay with us. It's toward evening. The day is now far spent. So he's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll stay. And so he, he goes in with them, and they sit down for dinner. It's getting late. Night's falling. It's not a safe road, you know. Jesus is sitting there at the table. They've been with this guy for hours and hours now. Still don't know who he is. Jesus is sitting in a hurry. But then... He does something special. Verse 30 says, when he was at the table with them, he reached out and he, he took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. Just like he'd done on Thursday night and, and at the Last Supper. And as soon as it did, in verse 31 it says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and instantly he vanished from their sight. <laughs> this is a great moment, man. Like you just, Jesus is just having fun, you know. It's like, bah, <laughs> just, he's out, vanished from their sight. And they're left sitting there. Night's fallen. They've just spent hours with Jesus. He's just explained to them the whole story in a way that they'd never heard before, the way that made sense, the way that had power in it, the way that connected everything about their people's history, everything about creation, connected it all into the person of Jesus as the fulfillment of everything that they could have hoped for. What do you do when that happens? What do you do when you get it? What do you do when it clicks and you finally understand the whole story? You find the, the thrust of this great and loving God who has been at work to bring you back to himself, to redeem you despite yourself. When you hear that good of a story, what do you do with it? Proud of yourself that you understand it? Like, okay, well, fine. I know that's not what you do with it. You do something with it. Verse 32, so they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Some of you in the room, like, you know what that feels like. Your heart burns inside of you, and the scriptures finally start opening to you, and you start getting the, this picture of this loving and merciful and tenacious God. It's late. It's a dangerous road to travel at night. But despite all that, they had to do something with it. Once it clicked, once they, un once they understood, they had to do something with it. 
Verse 33 says, when they, they rose that same hour, they returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those who were with them. They all gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Simon. They told what had happened on the road and how he had, was known to them in the breaking of bread. They ran back seven miles in the dark. They know street lights, all right? They don't have headlamps. There's nothing. Like, they ran back seven miles in the dark to go tell somebody. Found the 11, burst through the door. You're not going to believe this. Christians in the room, like, when we get this, like, when it's having seen what we've seen, having heard what we've heard, having understood what we've come to understand about him and his story, how it engages with us, we must be the people running back out in the darkness to go tell somebody. It's not just a story we keep to ourselves. As those who found it, we rush back out. Verse 36 says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. And he said to them, peace to you. Well, they were startled and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit. And they were all freaking out and running around the room. And he says, like, well, why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? He says, see my hands and my feet. It's, it's, it's me. Touch me and see. So the spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Did you see that I have? He says, calm down. Calm down. When he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while I still disbelieved for joy and marvel, and he said to them, all right, fine. All right, have, you, have you got anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of fish. He took it and ate it. They're like testing to see if he's a ghost. Like, I don't think ghosts can eat. Let's see what happens, all right? They're all grappling with the unbelievable. Like, we all have to. So he keeps going. He pointed them to Scripture. Verse 44, he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. There it is again, beginning from Jerusalem. And then challenges them with this. He says, you are witnesses of these things. He's patiently helping them come to understand the whole story. Like he's done for a lot of us. Like I'm hoping, I'm praying like in a new way, in a more power, profound way. These next 10 months are going to be helping you to understand the fullness of the story, of what God has done, of what he's been at work to accomplish, what he has accomplished in the person of Jesus, what he's going to accomplish in glory. Same thing he did on the road. But here in the room, he doesn't just explain it. He doesn't just open their minds to it. He commissions them inside of it. He commissions them to go and proclaim it to all nations. I think he's doing that because there's something intrinsic inside of all of us that says, okay, I've heard something glorious. That's good for me. There's not, we need a little bit of an encouragement. We need a little bit of a push. We need a community to run alongside of to go and do something with it. That's why I'm at Oaks be a part of a community that does something with it, not just for this city, not just for these people, not just for you, but for all nations. My prayer for us over this series is that we'd come to know the whole story. And my prayer for you is that you would come to know the whole story. Understand the deep
deep implications of the gospel, that that would resonate like deeply into your heart to a point that you recognize like, that this is a story that I can share and must share with the people around me. Listen, as we bring our time in the Word to a close this morning, like, uh, um, I do want us to be prayerful about walking through this series together. Um, there's going to be pieces that, I mean, all of us travel, all of us, I mean, over Christmas break, a lot of you college students, you won't be here. My hope is that this is one of those ones that you follow along with, that you're taking this thing apart. I'm hoping in your tribes, as you look at supplemental passages to ones that we're going to cover in here, that, like, you're digging in together. All right. I hope as you're in a huddle and you're like reading through the word and you're coming across some of these passages, you're going to cover them in more depth than I can do up here on this stage. So I'm praying that for us as a church, all of us at Oaks, that we're, we're investing deeply in understanding the whole story this year. That's where I want us to be. I want us to get it the, from beginning to end, from, from creation to new creation, the story and how that impacts you, how that's going to impact the nations. So this morning, listen, if you, if, you don't, if you don't know the whole story, and, you, and you, like, the, you're new to this, like somebody's invited you, you haven't been around this whole Bible thing for very long at all, let me just give you the gospel in a nutshell, all right? God created everything in a way that was supposed to be, and then in our sin, we broke it. Sent it into the world, and it's warped and destroyed everything ever since. And that God wasn't willing to abandon us in that. In his love, in his mercy, in his grace, he hatched a plan from the beginning to fix what had been broken and to restore people like you and me back to himself, to fix what we could never fix ourselves. That plan came to fruition in the person of Jesus who left heaven, came to earth, got in the middle of our mess with us, got between the wrath that I had earned and the God who I'd wronged, took took my punishment on himself died on the cross in my place, rose from the grave, defeating even death for me so that I could have eternal life with him. He did all that because of his great love for us. All he's, I think he's offered all of that just as a gift. It is not something you can earn. If you're trying to earn it, you're, you're actually walking in the opposite direction. It's a gift that all you can do is accept. It's a gift you accept by faith, saying, I believe and I'm going to follow. I'm going to, I'm going to trust him as my Savior. I'm going to trust that that was my death that he died on that cross. I'm going to trust him as my Savior. I'm going to follow him as Lord. When you get to the point that you can accept that gift in faith, that means you are saved. That, that his sacrifice on the cross is imparted to you. And you're forgiven. Given a new life for this life and a new life for eternity. That's the story. We're going to unpack it for 10 months. It goes that deep. All right, but that's the that's that that's that piece that I want you thinking about. God is at work to redeem what was broken in the beginning because of His great love for people like you. If you haven't heard that yet, I want you to hear it this morning. If you've been hearing that, if you've been hearing that through Oaks for the last few weeks, and God's been working on your heart and trying to like draw you to Himself, my prayers this morning that today would be the day that you would trust that gift in faith, that you trust in Jesus. Commit yourself to follow him right there, right now. So our next step team is going to be back there in the back. In just a moment, our band's going to come in time response. Like, I want you to slip out when the band's singing. I want you to go find somebody back there in next, next steps and say, hey, I need to talk about that whole story thing and what that means to me. Can we talk? They'll take you out there in the lobby, sit down in a nice little comfy chair, and just let you talk. They're going to listen. They're going to pray for you. They're going to encourage you and try to help. All right? That goes for any question you have, not just gospel. 
When the band leads, that's your time to move. So that's for those of us who hadn't heard the story clearly before. Listen, if you know a lot of the pieces of the story, but it hasn't all fit together, if that's you, all right, and you, you know who you are, that's me for a really long time, you know a lot of the pieces, you didn't all fit, fit together. Would you just take a moment right now, right there where you sit, you don't have to like move or anything, would you just pray for God, like by his spirit, to open the word to you in a new way these next 10 months? Help, like, would you pray and like, ask God, God, would you make this make sense to me? Would you help me like, pay attention and get the most out of this I can? Would you just pray for yourself right there where you are? God, move. Help me get it. All right? If you know a bunch of pieces but you don't know how it fits together, would you pray? That's a lot of us. That's most of us in the room. And last, if you know it, and you understand the way all this fits together, you understand the gospel, right? It has fit together for you. Would you, would you just pray right there in your own heart where you sit? God, help me, help me be about proclaiming this here and there. Help me to be a witness to what I've seen and heard. Help me to proclaim it to the nations. You just pray that right there where you are. So again, if this is all new to you, this is an opportunity for you to trust in Jesus. Go talk with somebody. You can talk to the Lord and say, hey, you gotta open my heart to this stuff. If you're there, I'm listening. If you know pieces, don't have to fit together, ask God to, ask God to open it to you. He will. If he's opening it to you and you're not doing anything with it, say, God, I want to I be about the nations. I want to be about proclaiming. I want to be about a witness. You pray. You pray for a moment. I'll close in just a second. like we prayed this morning several times already we know your heart we know your heart's for us you know your heart's for the nations you've seen it lived out in the person of Jesus and all across your story I've got my prayer for my friends in the room who haven't trusted you as Savior yet you're just trying to figure that out. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray for my friends in the room who just know a lot of random pieces of your story but don't know you deeply. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them through your word. I pray they would jump into a tribe and jump into a, a huddle to have people around them to explore you with. I pray that they do that even today. But God, I also pray for us. The gospel's taking root in our heart. God, is compel us to be the people who rush back into the darkness to tell what we've seen and heard. Move us to action. God, we want to be a people of action, so God, help us. <laughs> help us see and recognize and then take that next step you set before us. God, we love you. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more sermons like this, you can give us a follow at Spotify or Apple Music. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out at churchfdoaks.com. Church, you are sent.